Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. All right, I'm going to introduce you guys to somebody today. You ready for this? All right, we planned this, okay? This is very well orchestrated. You ready? Now, one thing I've known, as I've learned as a parent, is that um, if, if you have kids, um, kids are an assassin to your pride, okay? If you had pride before kids, after kids, it'll eventually just kill that thing. And um, I told um, the, the brooders, I said, you never know what he's going to say. And, you know, in our house, if you come out to, to maybe dinner or lunch after church, <clears throat> we're an open book. My kids will say anything. There's no secrets, right? And so uh, you never know. We're going to find out about the brooders right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, what's your name? Josiah. Josiah. Everyone say hi to Josiah. Hi, Josiah. So you've got a problem now. You're not going to be able to get away with anything. Everybody knows your name. Now they're going to be like, oh, Josiah, right? Yeah. How, how old are you, Josiah? Six. Six. Wow. Wow, you're really getting big. Did you know that in the Bible that there is this king named Josiah? Did you know that? Yes. You did, huh? Do you know how old he was when he became king? Eight. Man, you know your stuff. This is pretty impressive. Eight years old. Okay, so I, I want us as a church for a second to just get this visual in, in our, our head. Okay, so you're six, okay, and you're of European descent. And so my guess, if he was uh, Middle Eastern, Mr. King Josiah, he was probably about your height at age eight. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that you are right now, with all of your knowledge, because you have the smartest parents on the planet, do you think, <laughs> do you think that you're ready to be a king? Like, let's just say the king of Minnesota, so like the governor, right? And you're going to rule. You're going to tell people what to do. You're going to make decisions. Are you ready for that? Yeah. <laughs> That is fantastic. Now, I have one last question for you. Would you rather be in kids' church? Yeah. <laughs> hold on. What's up? Yeah. Yeah, okay, hold on. Here's a gift for you. Thank you for being such a good sport. If you feel nervous about your sermon, you bring a kid up, and then everybody's really happy. That or a kitty, right? All right, so I, I just want you to, to think about this for this, this King Josiah for a second. And Eli, if you could put the slide up to, to match this. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and uh, Lord, I just, I'm just so excited to be able to communicate this for our church family today, and, and Lord, I just um, ask that you 
um, just come alongside, Lord, and pray that it makes sense and uh, that you just move in this place and in the hearts of your people. And the church said, amen, amen and amen. Josiah became, now this is a, a very important word, he became uh, a godly king. He was not groomed uh, to be a godly king. And it, it's just, it's so important to understand that this, this kid was raised in, in a time where the kings were sinning like never before. Like, like never before. And we're, I'm gonna, I listed them out because there's so many. It, it's just, it's almost, it, it's, it's almost mind-boggling to think that Israel could have gone to this place. So here's this young kid. The entire infrastructure of Judah and Israel was set up for him. I mean, he, he came in, he's age eight. We all know that he wasn't able to, to rule and, and to govern, but he had all the systems, all the processes. It, it was all set. The advisors that were there for his, his dad, they, they were all there, and they would have just kind of helped and said, okay, give me your signet ring. That's the decision, okay. And, and this is the life that little Josiah came. And, and I think it's really, really important that, that, we, that we think of, of somebody as innocent and as rambunctious and as fun as our little Josiah here in our church. Because that, that's what King Josiah was like. He was just a boy. He was just a boy. Now, this is December 1st. As you know, welcome to December and in Advent, or the coming, is which we celebrate the coming of Jesus, where God literally put flesh and blood and bone onto himself to become man. And this is what we, we celebrate, because we know that, that God became man because we could not pay for our own sins. And we needed a perfect person, a sinless life, to be the perfect spotless sacrifice, a once and for all sacrifice, in Jesus. And, and this is the advent. It's, it's hope. It's prophecy. And, and so we, we look at the prophecy of the foretold Messiah coming thousands of years before Jesus actually came. And this is our hope. So week one, maybe you have an advent calendar or a, or a, a candle, and the word is hope. And so we call today spark hope. So Let's just talk about hope for just a brief second here. In uh, an article in uh, Psychology Today, a professor, Kurt Richter, um, in the 1950s, and this is going to sound really harsh to you, and, and it is. It's very, it's very hard to hear about the studies they used to do on animals. But what, what they discovered was really interesting. And this Richter was putting rats in a jar, and he was seeing how long they could swim for he took domesticated rats. He took rats from the channels because in the channels, the rats in the city were known for just never drowning. And what he found was, is the rats died within two minutes. Within two minutes, they would, they would drown. And so then he changed up his study and he, he put his hand in the jar and right before they would drown, he'd pick them up. Again, this is in the 50s, right? And he would, he would stroke the rat. He would you know, just maybe talk to it, cuddle a little bit, put it back in the jar, and at that point, the rats would not drown. They wouldn't drown. For days, they, they would swim. Why? Hope. That's exactly right, hope. We, we, we are, are built the same way. There, there is hope. When, when there's hope, 
It's not all loss. Now, in the 90s, there uh, was a very serious drama. Um, Some of you may recall, it's called Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) And uh, there's this really famous line in there, and and a lot of you sinners will be able to finish it for me. (laughs) And Jim Carrey was totally in love with this girl, and got to the point where he asked the big question and he looked at her and he said, what are the chances of a guy like you and a girl like me, because of course he mixed up that, getting together? A lot of you know the answer to this. She tried to be nice, she tried to move on from it, but he kept at, no, I really need to know. She said, not good, not good. And Jim Carrey says, like, one out of a hundred? And she said, maybe more like one out of a million. And what did Jim Carrey say? So you're saying there's a chance. I use that line a lot in my younger years. So you're saying there's a chance. There was hope. There was hope. One in a million, I, that, those odds are in my favor. All of a sudden, there is hope. And, and we are built this way. Hope is so important. And for the people of Israel to see the prophecy of coming and they're looking and they're waiting for the Messiah, this is the blessed hope. This is the hope that things are not always gonna be this way. There is an answer. There is an answer. And this is the hope that people were looking for. They were praying for. And this is the hope that we have today. So King Josiah, like I said, He had a grandpa, his name was Manasseh. He became king at 12. And then Josiah's father was named Amon. They were so depraved. One could say that there was little hope for Israel. The people were quite literally being raised to be evil. And at this point in their lives and the generations and the coming after and after and after, this evil is all that they knew. This was life. This is what they were used to from day to day. And at age eight, Josiah's dad, Amon, died, and he became the next king. Josiah had everything in place. He had his visors. Everything was set. And then after 10 years of him functioning, like the king, like his dad, and like his dad before him, something, something happened. Now, would you please go um, to 2 Kings 22, starting in verse 3. In the 18th year of his reign, so now we can see 10 years have moved forward. Now, let me ask a quick question. Who would you rather have lead you as a king, an 8-year-old or an 18-year-old? Oh, man. I was thinking about this, and I'm like, I'm voting for the 8-year-old. <laughs> so that, and th- this is actually when you think about this because and yes he does have 10 years of, of leading um, a kingdom under his belt at this point but still I mean it's really remarkable in the 18th year of his reign King Josiah sent the secretary Saphon son of Azalea son of Meshulam say that five times fast to the temple of the Lord he said go up to Hilkah the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Now, this all sounds really good at this point. Oh, he's going to the temple. 
They're making pretty things happen. Um, they're giving money to the temple of the Lord. So we, we look at this, we say, well, these are good things. It sounds like he's a godly king. Well, I would say he's, um, at this point, it's many gods, as we're going to see in a little bit. This isn't what the temple of the Lord became under David. This is now the temple of the Lord, where there's male shrine prostitutes in the temple. That there is embroidery to the Asherah gods in the temple. On top of the temple, there are incense that are going to other gods we're going to see here in just a second. So this isn't just the Jewish temple that we've maybe known and, and seen. It, this is, this is uh, a, a totally morphed and perverted part of where God had intended and what it actually is today. But this, again, is all Josiah knows. You can't fault him for that. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. The carpenters, the builders, and the masons also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple, but they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Next one. Hilkah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported it to him. Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, uh, Hilkiah, the priests have given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. This is the first five books called the Pentateuch, also known as the Book of Moses. This was absolutely disturbing. Josiah now had this ancient book in front of him as an 18-year-old. He's never even heard of this thing before. He tore his robes. He began to weep. And he went and he, he found this prophetess named Huldah. And, and he, he said, I need you to go inquire of the Lord for me. And she went, and, and this is what the Lord said to her. He said, because the people have forsaken God, him, as, as God and his laws, and have been serving other gods, his anger burned against them. You go to 2 Kings 22, 19 and 20. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I've spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declared the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see the disaster I'm going to bring to this place. Let me ask you a question. What would you do? If your heritage and your lineage raised you up to be a certain way, you, you were raised to be who you are. And as you are going about your life, leading, running your business, doing what, whatever that, that you do, 
all of a sudden new information comes. New, new information comes and you are absolutely stopped in your tracks. Everything that, that you knew or thought to know was a lie. You were a kid when your, when your dad died. You didn't even know your grandpa. And now, the, the way that you had inflated him and who he is, all of a sudden now you're going, maybe, maybe he's not perfect. Maybe, maybe my dad was a bad guy. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Josiah had this incredible decision to make. And in all of our lives, we come to forks in the road where we have to make very difficult decisions as well. That it, the easiest thing he could have done was to say, well, that's a nice book. Go put it in the library or let's burn it. I just don't need to deal with that right now. We've got our life. We're doing okay. Let's just keep going. He could have easily done that. He was king. When I was a kid, I um, had an opportunity to do show and tell. Anybody remember show and tell? Oh, man, that was so fun. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. Um, so my mom and dad are here today. You guys remember this story. My, they always cringe. They don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and I, I said to my mom, okay, mom, I'm, I'm going to do show and tell. I need you to tell me um, all the nationalities that make up who I am. You remember this, right? And so she told me how German I am. She told me how much Native American I had in me. A um, couple other things, I think, right? Somewhere. What's that? Norwegian, yes, yes, Norwegian, Norwegian. And in my third or fourth grade mind, this made perfect sense to me. Um, I, I kind of think of it like a map. I had said, okay, this part of my body is German. This part is Native American. I have a Native American hand. And then I got some Norwegian somewhere down here. So I mapped it out. It made, it, you know what I mean? It made sense to me. You can't say, you know, 33% this and that. I go, okay, I'm mostly German. At that point, we thought I was like three-quarters German, so I'm like, you know, like German, right? And so I, I, I presented. I went in front of the class, and I presented myself, and I explained how I have a Native American arm, and I was very serious about this. There was no, this was not a joking matter. This is who I am until we started to do some of the ancestry, some of the 23 and me thing. And you know what we discovered? We were lied to. I've got like a ton of Irish in me. We couldn't find my Native American arm anywhere. I lied to my third and fourth grade class and my teacher. I should go back. I'm feeling really guilty about this right now. I was totally lied to. I mean, and, and really, I mean, I grew up my entire life believing and, and thinking. I even thought to myself, if I'm three quarters German, I should learn German. I mean, it's one of the top, you know, grossing economies. It'd be a smart language to know, right? I should know this thing. And I was lied to. I mean, of course, not on purpose, but... You know, now I'm in my 40s and I'm discovering that I'm not who I thought I was. But that's nothing compared to what Josiah went through. 
I mean, this is a fun thing to be able to trace and be able to connect with people across the globe. It's super cool. It's super cool. But it's totally different from somebody like Josiah who grew up and all of a sudden he discovered that he as king is leading this entire nation against the will of God. And let me tell you, I can about promise you that about every advisor was telling him not to do this. Because this meant their livelihoods. This meant things that they had worked out in their own families. And all of a sudden, things are going to change. And there was a complete reformation of what was going to happen. All right. Now, this is hard to read. I know. But listen, I couldn't, it just didn't work to do it any other way. Because right here in, in 2 Kings 23, it is the most descriptive point in all of Scripture that talks about all of the actual sins that uh, the, the people of Israel and Judah had and what they began to do. I mean, they, um, this, so this is what King Josiah, this is part of the reforms that he brought to the kingdom. He removed all the articles, say all, all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts from the temple of the Lord. So he goes into the temple and starts to gut the place. He did away with the idolatrous priests who burnt incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and around Jerusalem. Those who burned incense to Baal, the sun and the moon and the constellations to all the starry hosts. He burned the Asherah pole from the house of the Lord. From the house of the Lord. He burned it. He tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord. He tore down the quarters that were for the women who did the weaving for Asherah. He desecrated the high places. This is the hardest one to read, that this is how far they went. He desecrated uh, Topheth, so no one could use it to sacrifice their sons and daughters in the fire of Molech. And friends, this was instituted by King Solomon. And you know what's hard for that? When you, when you read, it says that his, his heart began to grow because of his lust for women, and he be, began to allow these things to take place. He removed from the entrance of, to the temple of the Lord of the horse that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. King Josiah burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. He pulled down altars the kings of Judah erected on the temple. He desecrated the high places that the King Solomon had built up to Ashereth, Chemosh, and Molech. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He demolished the altar in the high places that Jeroboam built that caused Israel to sin. This is not even recognizable. This is not recognizable to God, the one God, the God that we serve, that he is a jealous God. And then something absolutely remarkable happened. And some of you are probably thinking, okay, I thought we were talking about hope. I thought we were talking about Christmas. What happened to all this? How on earth does this connect in any way? And, and this is where I get super, super stoked for us as a church. 2 Kings 23, 17. Oh, I'm already ahead of myself. You got it. I'll go with yours. The king asked, 
What is that tombstone I see? So just think of this for a second. He's literally walking around looking for things that are celebrating other gods. He is walking around his countryside and he's looking and he's with his people. What do we need to bash up? What do we need to make? Because we need to make this right and we need to be serving the one true God. And look at this. The people of the city said, it marks the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and pronounced against the altar of, of Bethel the very thing you have done to it. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, he didn't say that, but I, I'm imagining it. What, what do you mean? What, what do you mean somebody wrote this and, and it's something that I'm doing right now? And you got to go to 1 Kings chapter 13, if you could do that for me, Eli. This is so amazing. By the word of the Lord, a man of God, this is the only name that, that we have. It's a man of God who came from Judah to Bethel as Jeroboam was standing by the altar making an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar. So here, here's his quote. This, this guy that they don't know who prophesied, the Lord sent this man of God, that's all we know of his name, he cries, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you, so he's talking to the altar for all to hear. On you, he will sacrifice the priests of this high place who make offerings here, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. So now the, the prophet, there's something to say, this will actually happen. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. And it happened right there. Boom, it splits apart. And people are like, oh my goodness, something happened. Now at this point, this is kind of a different story, but Jeroboam tries to seize him. The man of God says, no, you're not. His arm shrivels up. The king's arm shrivels up. He's like, pray for me. I mean, it's this really cool thing that happens, but we can't talk about that right now. So you can just read your Bible and go to that if you want to. So it's so awesome. This whole thing is so cool. How would you feel in the midst of living your life in the doing the absolute best that, that you know how and you discover a message from 300 years earlier because this is how long in time had passed. 300 years earlier, it says a king named Josiah is going to be here and he's going to do the things that you're doing right now. Let me ask you a question. You're out shoveling this new snow. You're trying to do work. You're trying to raise your kids. You're doing the best that you know how, right? And all of a sudden, you come across this message. I don't know, a message in a bottle. If you're, I don't know, I don't know an email. Okay, they don't have emails. But it's something, right? A message to you with your name on it. And you go... What? And, they, and it says exactly what you're doing right now. Keep going. Keep going. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know about this 18-year-old Josiah, but I can imagine that his heart was filled with joy. Can you imagine the hope that would have come from him? Coming out of his heart, he finds this book of the law. He takes action. Thing, people are changing. The whole nation is changing. He's probably questioning, am I crazy? Is this the right thing? I don't know if I'm going in the right direction. By the way, what tomb is this? 
oh, it's just the tomb saying 300 years ago that there's this guy named Josiah King that's going to do exactly what you're doing right now. Man. In this first week of Advent, we contemplate hope because the prophecy of God brings hope. Just as Josiah was filled with hope because of his prophecy about him, we too have this gift of prophecy. Would you go to the last two verses for me? Let's go to Isaiah 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Next one, Isaiah 9, 6, 4. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Read it with me. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There were prophecies about this Messiah. Jesus who is for us. The prophecy of the coming Messiah was not for God, but for us. And this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God became man, stepped into a sinful world to become our sin so we could have a future hope with God. The advent of Jesus coming as a baby is about God, yes. It's about Jesus. But it's because of you. And it's because of me. It's about Jesus. But it's because of you. Let me say that again. It's about Jesus. But it's because of you. He loves you. He cherishes you. And you matter. You matter enough for him to send his son and for him to die for you, and for me. And this is the hope of the world. Jesus. Can you imagine the impact a church would have if its people followed the example of King Josiah? Man. As Christ has sparked hope in us, let us go likewise in others. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, and Lord, it's beautiful out, the changing of, of seasons, wrapping up and coming to the end of 2019, and Lord, I just pray that you get a hold of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we can be people like Josiah. Lord, I pray that we are fearless when we know what's right. In your holy name we pray, and the church said, Amen and Amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.